Hello and welcome to the After 7 podcast, where we pick up all the bits from the cutting room floor that didn't make it into our sermons and break them down. And today we're looking at the sermon, Cross of Three. Hi, my name is Christopher. Hi, my name is David. And uh, welcome to the After Sermon Podcast. We've been a bit on and off as of recently, but it's good to be back. And uh, we're now in a completely different location to where we've recorded any other podcast before. David, where are we? We're in Purimbong, New South Wales, Avondale College. We are. So the last time we were at a recording, uh, that was back in... Coffs Harbour quite a while back, but now myself and my other co-host Jesse Marks, he's, we both moved down to Avondale, we're both studying a Bachelor of Ministry in Theology here, we've actually still got some people down in Coffs, and we've had some people move to Queensland, other people to Sydney, so it was quite the mass exodus of all the <laughs> youth from Coffs, we all went in our separate ways, so we've been a, a little bit all over the place, but we're finally centred back here, and uh, yeah, it's good now uh, I'm meeting more people, and I've been able to meet David while I'm here, and yeah, it's great to just have some other people, different guests on the podcast as well. Alright, well, let's get right into the recap, but just before we do, if you haven't watched the sermon, The Cross of Three, make sure to go to the link down below and come back here later, because this podcast will be full of spoilers. With that out of the way, David, give us a quick recap of what your sermon was about. Alright, so my sermon was basically about the Trinity. Hmm. But I didn't base it completely on the Trinity, even though I wanted to see the work of God, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit at the cross. Hmm. So what the cross means to us in the context of the Trinity. Yeah. So that's the main point of the sermon that was preached. Nice. Cool. Yeah, I thought that was actually... Well, this is getting into impression territory now, so... So, Chris, what are your impressions of the sermon? Uh, I really liked it. I I think the standout part of it was definitely your story um, (laughs) of your friend. That was was the highlight. Um, Yeah, I just couldn't believe he went and did all of that stuff. Only for him to be rejected at the very end. And the interesting thing was, I actually, um, I totally forgot about that part. You just, you started the story and then you went straight into looking at verses. And I never thought to myself, oh, I never found out how it ended. And then you went back to the end. I was like, oh yeah, we we were never told how it ended. (laughs) So yeah, that was interesting. And um, I liked the way that you looked at how each part of, the Godhead uh, was fulfilling a different purpose on the cross just in that one specific point in time Mm. I liked that way of looking at it Um, it was a way of looking at the Trinity that I'd never really thought of and so it was yeah it was a really good really good way of looking at it a new perspective yeah well let's keep the ball rolling let's go to our next segment the drawing board Uh, David what is the drawing board The drawing board is where we discuss the sources, 
inspirations and goals of the sermon in order to better understand the sermon in question. Awesome. So where did you get the idea for this sermon? All right. So I've been wanting to preach on the Trinity for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. I was in class one day and we're talking about the doctrine of the Trinity and something just clicked in my head. I'm like, oh, it would be good to preach on the Trinity one day. Mm. So I spent the whole summer, went back home to Melbourne and I'm like, I had a lot of preaching appointments during the summer and I'm like, I'm going to preach on the Trinity. And I researched the Trinity, but I could never come up with with a sermon. Yeah. Like, it was in my head, but I just, I just couldn't like develop it. Mm. Yeah, I couldn't do it. And then... Coming back here to New South Wales mm. and back to college at my church, they were like, oh, what didn't you preach on the Trinity? Yeah. You know, we're going through this 28 fundamentals that our church already had the first one. What's in number two? What don't you preach on the Trinity next Sabbath? I'm like, all right, cool. You know, yeah. let's do this, you know? And so it wasn't really like I wanted to preach on it. though I was given the appointment to preach on the Trinity, but mm. it was something that's always been in my head. And I've always been intrigued by that verse. In Matthew twenty seven forty six, when Jesus is on the cross and he's crying out hmm. to God, why, God, why have you forsaken me? Yeah. Yeah, sorry. I remember reading a passage from from uh, from a certain author illustrating that the, there's more to, the, to that moment at the cross that we actually see. Because when we see it from, just from the Alpha side, it's Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. But us, or people that believe in the Trinity, we're like, where was the Holy Spirit? You know, where was God the Father at the moment mm. as well? So I wanted to compose a message yeah. around that. Would you say one of the difficulties is trying to create an applicable message about a topic like the Trinity? Yeah, I mean, you could preach about any other topic and it comes off naturally or even easier. Yeah. But trying to apply the Trinity and make it relational, and that's what I struggled with. Mm. Right? I spent a whole week... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I spent a whole week in the library researching the Trinity, mm. just looking at different sermons online as well. Yeah, but I'm like, I want a different angle on it because I don't want to go up there and just explain what the Trinity is and explain well the Father is this, the Son is this, yeah. the Holy Spirit is this. No, I wanted to make it more relational, something mm. that we could take out of. You know, why is the Trinity important for us? Yeah, you know, what's the difference if we believe in the Trinity or we don't believe in the Trinity? You know, does it really matter? Does it really impact our lives, the doctrine of the Trinity? So yeah. just trying to make the sermon a bit more relational and applicable to people's lives. Yeah. And so just as sort of a bit more of a recap, what would you say um, this would come to the, the the goals part of your sermon, the main part of it? What would you say is the relational thing that we can get out of the concept of the Trinity that you conveyed? Yeah, what I wanted to convey that the Trinity... All of the Trinity, all the three personnels of the Trinity are involved in one salvation. Mm. You take one person out and it leaves a gap. Yeah. You know, every the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit all have different roles in one salvation. So I wanted to convey that that all three of them are important. Sometimes as Christians we may just look at the Son and his sacrifice, but we, we also look at we have to look at what the Father did and what the Holy Spirit did because they're all sacrificed. Something so what I wanted to convey and my goal for the audience on that Sabbath was to tell well look This is what the Trinity has sacrificed. This is what they've given mm. You know and my main we can say point or focal point was salvation yeah. Trinity but salvation how are they connected? Mm. Yeah, no, I definitely think you got that point across and 
All right, here's here's a challenge mm-hmm. to you. Go for it. I'm putting you on the spot here. <laughs> um, let's. Uh, I'm thinking of you know people like say perhaps Jehovah's Witnesses yeah. who don't necessarily believe in the Trinity, but but they believe in the Holy Spirit and Jesus, mm. but they're just not divine. Uh, I'm assuming they would argue that you know. Um, the Holy Spirit and Jesus still have a part to play in a person's salvation, yeah. even though they think that they're distinctly separate from God the Father. Yeah. So, uh, I'm challenging here. <laughs> yeah. So, how would you say? Why would you say the concept of the Trinity is then vital to a Christian understanding of who God is? If it's possible for other people to believe that you can have a non-triune God. Yeah. And have all the players still play in their act of salvation, mm. if you know what I mean. Yeah. So I started with my sermon with love. Mm. So I started with the concept of love that in First John we see, chapter 4, we see God is love. Yeah. Yeah. So now, when we talk about the Trinity, and we see other denominations not believing in the Trinity, or believing in different aspects of the Trinity, we kind of diminish the work of God mm. and the Trinity in itself. Because, I mean, if God is love, the ultimate sacrifice would have to be God himself yeah. dying for humanity. Yeah. We can't say it really doesn't make sense. It just lessens the meaning of the cross if we're saying that God the Father created a creature, in this case, Jesus, mm. yeah, to yeah. take the blame for us. That is not that's not love. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's just putting the guilt on someone else. Like you take care of this. I'm God, you take care of this. Mm. But when you conceptualize the Trinity, we find out that they're all God. Yeah. Yeah, so that brings extra meaning into our experience, into our Christian experience, knowing that it was God Himself who died for humanity, not mm. a created being. Because it could have been easy. God could have said, Look, He could have said to one of the angels, you can do it. Yeah. Or another creature on another planet. You know, you go and die for humanity. Mm. But it was God himself. It just lessens the, lessens the meaning, you know. That's true. Yeah, it does. Um, I think... Uh, let, let's turn to a text in Philippians chapter 2. I was reading this. This reminded me of this verse. It, you almost can't read verses like this and not get that idea of... Christ being equal to God. So, reading from Philippians uh, chapter 2 and beginning, I think it's in verse 5. Or, yeah, in verse 5. Would you like to read? Uh, I think it's through to 11. Yeah, so verse 5, starting verse 5 says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation taking the, bo- the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and because obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Yeah, so I think what's interesting is the first verse starts with, have a mind like Christ. And just before that, he was 
Paul was talking about how the Christians need to have a humble attitude. Mm. And so he starts by like prefacing saying, Jesus was not afraid to put himself on an equal status with God, mm. but he also humbled himself enough to come down and become a human. Yeah. And I think that plays into what you were talking about, the fact that it wasn't God sending someone else to do the work for him. It was God himself becoming flesh and becoming a person. That's the true demonstration of love there. And then it ends by saying every knee will bow and every yeah. tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. That's that's a that's worship, you know. And to worship anything but God is it's idolatry. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, I find it difficult. Um, yeah, that people sometimes don't have this understanding of the Trinity because I think from what you brought out, it's such a vital aspect of the salvation story mm. and of just this idea of God and His love and Him demonstrating that on the cross. Yeah, I think I think many people as well read the Bibles, read the Old Testament, and in the Old Testament, the Trinity is not really that evident mm. as it is in the New Testament. And this is verse in Deuteronomy 6, 4, which says, there's only one God. Yeah, the Lord our God, yeah. the Lord is one. There's one. Yeah. Yeah, but they don't read the context mm. of what God is telling them. You know, the context is all the nations around Israel, they had many gods. Yeah. yeah so he's telling his people, the God, God your Lord, is one only. Mm. You know? It doesn't take take from the fact that there's not a, a trinity within that. Mm. He's just telling the people there's only one God that you have to worship. Yeah. I think uh, it's also interesting, uh, the some people say very closely related, uh, at least in ideas, uh, Islam is also, it's a monotheistic, monotheistic religion, but does not believe in the idea of the Trinity. Mm. Uh, to them, Jesus was just a prophet. Yeah. Um, and they, they come up with a lot of d- different theories as to how Jesus died, or rather he didn't die. And ultimately it comes down to the idea that Christianity says that we can't be saved by works. It's only through, you know, only by the shedding of blood can there be remission of sins. But the blood of lambs is insufficient, so we needed that sacrifice to the Lamb of God, Jesus, yeah. to do that. So Christianity says it's all by faith in, in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Whereas Islam says Jesus was just another prophet. Uh, instead, you have a two angels following you throughout your life. One records all the good stuff you do, one records the bad, and on judgment day, if your good works outweigh your bad, well, then you'll make it to heaven and you'll be saved. Mm. And so there are a lot of different theories. Um, The main two, which I find are very interesting, one of them says if Jesus did end up on the cross, uh, he just kind of swooned. It's called the swoon theory. (laughs) He just swooned. He never really died because then then we don't have to deal with this idea of him dying for sins and him rising again Mm -hmm. which is problematic um the other theory which is absurd um is that jesus was swapped out by someone else and if my memory serves me correct the idea is that judas iscariot took the place of jesus and uh god or allah whatever you want to call him just made judas's face look like that of jesus Mm -hmm. and so again it kind of shows that conflict of um the idea of that the fact that the Trinity really does show the true love of God in the process of salvation. And when you lose that idea and you just make Jesus a spirit being like uh, Jehovah's Witnesses or just uh, a prophet or just a man, you lose that aspect of God 
giving himself up for humanity, yeah. as you were talking about. Yeah, it just loses complete meaning of it. Mm, it does, yeah. I mean, you can just, oh, it was just another man who died on the cross. Mm. But we say no, it was God himself yeah. who died on the cross. And see through the verses in Philippians, he humbled himself. Mm. You know, God exalted him because he came and became human. You know, he became, he just came to be on our level. Yeah. You know, and that was all done within the process of the Trinity because the Father allowed that to happen. Jesus volunteered himself mm. to come with the guidance of the Holy Spirit during his ministry, during yeah. all his life. I've even heard the idea of the Trinity in and of itself is just another demonstration of love. For example, if you've just got one person, they can't really mm. love themselves, you yeah. know, that's kind of selfish. Yeah. With two people, they can love each other, but there's no sacrifice. Whereas when you add a third person to the mix now, you have to come up with compromises and self-sacrifice, yeah. and that's the most pure form of love. You know, at the very minimum, three is your most uh, best way to express love in that purest form and selfless that, yeah. form. And that was one of the illustrations I was going to put in my sermon. Ah, there we go. I left yeah. it out. And there we are, no, cutting room floor. <laughs> yeah, like I was going to talk about how the Trinity can function within the concept of love. Yeah. I was going to put the idea of a family. Mm. You know, you're a bloke. Mm-hmm. You fall in love with, with a girl. Yeah. All right, there's love there. There is. All right, there's love. Then you have a kid. Mm. Things get more complicated. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Vastly more, yeah. You know, more complicated. You've got to share that love. Yeah. Among the three, you know, the three of you. Mm. You know? So that was one of the illustrations I was going to... Nice. Well, now that we're on that track, I suppose now's a good time to officially enter the cutting room floor. Was uh, there anything else that you didn't get to put into your sermon that you were hoping to, or you just some ideas that you were hoping to expand a little bit more on? Yeah, well, while researching the Trinity, the doctrine, different commentaries, there was a lot. Yeah, and I could, be, I, yeah. I could, like I was telling some of the some of the boys who were going up, I could spend five or six hours up in the pool yeah. preaching about this, you know, but I have to condense this to. 35 40 minutes <laughs> yeah. and i did i did really consider putting in or going through the aspect of creation mm. genesis 1 1 in yeah. the beginning god created the heavens and the earth and we see in the in the hebrew the word theos there which is greek theos yep. god um which will be elohim is actually plural mm. so from the outset we get the concept of the trinity straight from the start of the bible yeah you know Trinity, God, mm. plural. And then in Genesis one twenty six, let us let us yeah. make man in our image. Yeah. You know, to our likeness. Plural again. You know, who's us. Yeah, exactly. Talking about the Trinity. So I was thinking of putting those verses in. I actually my first intention and I completely left it out from the sermon was explain the Trinity from creation. Mm. Right? From creation, solely from creation. But still having the concept of love. Yeah. You know, but I decided, nah, I'll just leave that out. I feel more comfortable at this very moment preaching about the cross. Yeah. And what the, what the what was the role of the Trinity at that climatic moment on the cross. Mm. You know, I could have put it in other things as well. I felt like I could have really described or get the idea to prove that God is God. That's, yeah. That Jesus is God and that the Holy Spirit is God. I did touch on it. Mm. But they wanted to be the basis yeah. of the sermon. No, it was good. It was a good idea though to kind of just come in 
presupposing that people are already there with you because yeah. then you can spend more time getting in depth with the topic of love mm. that you were talking about yeah. so it was a good choice yeah yeah uh, so yeah what, what were some other sort of the things that you wanted to get a bit more in depth with yeah so I really I really wanted the people to understand that there's more to the cross that we see mm. from just the facade that we see we read sometimes if you were brought up being Christian, we read the story as little kids, Jesus dying on the cross. Yeah. I'm like, okay, nice story. Yeah. Really, it's not a nice story at the end of the day. <laughs> no. You know, but what I was trying to get through and what I found in my research was that in reading the Bible was that everybody had a different role mm. at the cross. You see, the cross was the pinnacle point of the plan of redemption or salvation for humanity. That was the main just, just like the climatic point yeah. throughout history. In the Old Testament, you know, people were looking at that cross, were looking for the Messiah, even though they didn't recognize him when he got there. Yeah, we, yeah. Are, we us now, like more than 2,000 years after the cross, we look back at that moment and what it means for us. Mm. Now, you know, we see Jesus dying on the cross. You know, we see Jesus, but what is the Father doing at that moment? Mm. And what is the Holy Spirit doing at that moment? You know, it's easy because we see the invisible image of God is Jesus himself. So we see Jesus at the cross very clearly and what yeah. he's doing. But the father, I mean, we look at the story of Abraham and Isaac. Mm. He was going to sacrifice his son. Right? He was willing to do it. Yeah. Right? And that was the promised son. And God said, no, no. It's all right. You were faithful to me. I'm going to replace it with the girl, the lamb that was there. Yeah. You know, but that made Abraham feel what God the Father was going to feel in sacrificing and giving up his son mm. to die for humanity. You see, they all had to be in accordance with each other because yeah. the Father's like, I'm going to agree to give my son. Yeah. You know? And that makes sense considering the prayer that Jesus gives in Gethsemane, not my will, but your will. Yeah. They all have to be as you said, working in accordance with one another. Yeah, and that's his humanity right there. Mm. You know, like, take this cup away from me. Yeah. You know, the cup, in, when we read the Bible, means judgment. You know, wrath, judgment coming upon someone or something. Yeah. You know, and that was, he's going to bear the judgment of all the sins of every single human on his shoulders at that very moment. Mm. And you can see why he's really stressed out about the situation. You know, but we see the Father, he gives a sacrifice. You know, the son offers himself, yeah. Yeah. You know, and it was the Holy Spirit. You see, that, that was the hard bit in constructing this sermon. Mm. Where is the Holy Spirit at that time? Yeah. I could see the Father, I could see the Son, but where is the Holy Spirit? Mm. Because in the verses it's not evident, but you've got to think systematically through Jesus' ministry, through Jesus' life, at Jesus' birth. Inception, it was the Holy Spirit. Mm. When Jesus got baptized, he came to him like in the form of a dove. It was the Holy Spirit. You know, we see the Holy Spirit always dwelling with Jesus. Yeah. So we could apply those principles to the cross as well. The Holy Spirit was there with Jesus and mm. God. You know, yeah. it wasn't only Jesus that suffered at the cross. Yeah. It was the Father as well. It was the Holy Spirit. It was a whole trinity suffering because they've never been separated. Mm. You know, there was complete separation there between 
that's the Trinity. You know, they've coexisted forever. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, they've never been separated. And all of a sudden, this is separation. You see? Sin has separated us from God in the same way as all the burdens of sin were put on Jesus. There mm. was separation between Him and the Father Yeah. at the moment. I've never thought of it like that, and the way you just phrased it, the fact that God, that Jesus was just as separated by sin as we were in that time. No. That's pretty deep to think about. Yeah, because he was blameless, mm. spotless, you know, no sin, yeah. but yet he carried the sin of all humanity, and yeah. that separated him from God Yeah, at that time. You know, separated him from the Holy Spirit mm. at that time. I mean, God, God the Father was obviously suffering. You know, we see through the Bible, God is an emotional God as well. Yeah. You know, he would have been suffering at that very moment, knowing that his son is dying for something that he didn't do. Mm. I mean, I'll put the example, if anybody's ever lost a loved one, the one that suffers is not the one who's dead. You it's know, true. the person's dead, the one that suffers is the one who's still alive. Yeah. You know, I lose a kid or I lose my mother or I lose my father, I'm the one suffering for their death. Mm. So Jesus dies, the father looking at his own son, die for some suffering yeah no so much the holy spirit i think it's it's even crazy to think that for three days you know a part of the trinity was dead yeah how yeah how crazy is that like and as you were saying like these three have been together for all eternity Mm. and yet for three days jesus was dead in the tomb yeah exactly and Mm. that that was the main message i wanted to convey that they did all of this because in the nature, their nature is practically love. Mm. Sometimes we talk about an attribute. God is attribute or his character is love. But God says that he's love. So he's just love, full stop. Yeah. You know, so he does all of this for the salvation of humanity. Mm. You know, he separates the Trinity that coexisted for eternity for humanity. You know, so we can sometimes we probably struggle to grasp the idea of the Trinity. Mm. And what really it really means, but you know, maybe one day, yeah, we'll fully capture the true meaning. I think um, in one of our lectures we were doing this week, we were reading through Steps to Christ, yeah. and I liked just one of the the way the uh, the sentences they said it, it. I'm paraphrasing here, but it was essentially the fact that God did everything he could he poured out I think they say he poured out all of heaven he did everything he could to restore humanity back to himself I mean and the, the, the thing is there was no obligation for him to do so if, if you look at it from like a deistic sort of point you know God could have just wound up the earth chucked it and left us mm. and let us be and never really come back and just yeah. been a silent observer and just watch but instead we see that God while is also transcendent, is also imminent, and is a he's working in the lives of people, and he's heavily involved in this earth and what yeah. it's doing. But again, he there was no there was no compulsion or obligation for him to do so. But as you said, his very character and nature, or just his very being, is love, and so that's why he was willing to pour out all of heaven and offer his son to reconcile humanity back to himself. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's crazy to think about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you see, that's what I illustrated with that opening story mm. about my mate and his love story about yeah. <laughs> a girl he liked and he was in love. 
Mm. But you know, because sometimes even us in our own life, we could love something or put a lot of effort, a lot of sacrifice. I mean, sometimes we we use this word love very loosely. Yeah. You know, I love this, I love that, I love my car, I love whatever. Mm. And but it's something that you could love one day, but the next day, you just totally forget about it. Yeah. You grow up, you just grow out of it. Yeah. But you see, sometimes we do sacrifice a lot of things for love and the obvious example is couples mm. you know if you love someone you're obviously going to sacrifice things for the person you love you sacrifice time or you can sacrifice other relationships whatever it may be you're sacrificing and this application that I wanted to bring in with the story of Joshua mm. you know he sacrificed practically everything he had you know he he had no money but somehow he got money, you know, he sacrificed all his money, his time, his willingness to go and travel like 80Ks to go and see this girl. And, you know, at the end of the day, he sacrificed so much for the best part of a year. And then when he offered it him, when him off, when, sorry, when he offered it her his love, yeah. she fully rejected him. Yeah. You know, and you're like, oh, what? I mean, he's been sacrificing so much for so long and you just reject him. Mm. And sometimes we can do the same. You know, with, um, with Christ, he offered so much, the Trinity offered so much, and sometimes we can reject mm. God himself. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it is cool to think that that is open to everyone whenever, you know. Yeah. It's, um, it's not just a limited thing. It's, it's open to everyone. That's a really cool thought to mm. think about as well. And if you, if we're thinking about it in the context of the story that you you told with your friend Josh, um, he was just showing that to one person, yeah. and that like totally exhausted him and used mm. up all his supplies. And yet here is God pouring out all of heaven and giving His only Son for all of mankind, like that are alive now and that already you know were alive. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. All right, so that about wraps it up for the cutting room floor. But uh, by the sounds of it, you were doing a whole lot of research for this topic. So do you have any recommended readings for the listeners at home if they want to learn more about this topic of the Trinity? Yeah, so where I got my basic concepts and ideas from was the Seventh-day Adventist Church 28 Fundamentals Handbook. Mm -hmm, It gives you a really nice concept of the Trinity, then the concept of who's the Father, who's the Son, and who is the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And then I looked at the NIV commentaries on Matthew 27, 46, to see, to exegete that, that verse and what was going on mm. at that time. Awesome. Yeah, so those were the two main readings. I also read a couple passages from The Side of Ages mm-hmm. by Ellen White, where she talks about the Godhead. Yeah. Yeah, so what was the role of Jesus, what was the role of the Holy Spirit, what was the role of God the Father as well. Awesome. All right. Make sure to check out those ones. Because uh, by the sense of it, they were very helpful yeah, they were. in creating the sermon. So definitely check those out if you guys want to get a better understanding of the topic of the Trinity. So Christopher, where can these people find you? Uh, well, you can find me at my YouTube channel, just called Christopher Peterson. That's spelled with an S-E-N, not an S-O-N. Uh, you also just find me here on a fortnightly basis uh, on the After Seven podcast. So both of those will be in the link below. Well, not the podcast, you're already here. But the link to my channel will be in the link below. 
and that's where you guys can find me. Well, that concludes today's podcast. Uh, thanks for being with us, David. We really enjoyed having you. Thanks for having it's, me. Yeah, it's good to have some guests uh, from the college, and hopefully we can have a few more guests um, yeah, as the year goes through. Well, guys, make sure to come back and tune in uh, in a fortnight. We'll be having hopefully some more guests, and it should be good. And with that said, have a good one, and good night.